Welcome to the Doctors Changing Medicine podcast, where we feature physicians who are redefining the practice of medicine and changing the experience we have as doctors in medicine. We all know the system is broken, but we've decided not to complain about it anymore. We're out to fix it. I'm Dr. Una, your host. I'm a pediatrician and serial entrepreneur, but my passion is helping physicians create the freedom to live life and practice medicine on their terms. This is not just a podcast, it's a movement, a movement of change, and I invite you to be a part of it. Let's jump right in. Well, hello, hello, everybody. Welcome back to another amazing episode of the Doctors Changing Medicine podcast. I really love this podcast because I get to interview fascinating physicians who are doing amazing things inside and outside of the exam room. And I have a really, really great interview lined up for you today because I have the amazing Dr. Elisa Zhang here. And she is a, she's an ophthalmologist. She's an oculoplastic surgeon. She's a life coach. And she loves talking about things around money, financial freedom for physicians and all of that. So you are in for a treat. So Dr. Elisa, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I am too. Okay. So I want you to take a minute. I know I did say you're, you're an ophthalmologist and all of that, but I want you to take a minute and introduce yourself to the listeners. Yeah. So hi, I'm Elisa Zhang. I really always loved money, even as a kid. I, you know, worked different side jobs, babysitting, walking dogs, taking care of different things. And actually in high school, taught people how to use their computers, making $15 an hour as a high school student back in the 1990s, which was actually pretty good money. My parents were actually entrepreneurial. My father was a business professor and my mother actually started a, she originally had a computer a retail store called Microage with partners and then later broke off and had her own company. So I did see that entrepreneurial mindset. So it was really when I was in the MD-PhD phase of my education where I really started to dive into personal finance. Because I did an MD-PhD program, I actually had a stipend and I knew on average this program takes eight years. So that's actually long enough to buy a primary residence. I was in Cleveland, Ohio, which was my hometown and has a relatively low cost of living. So in the process of actually buying my family home from my parents because they were moving, my father had taken a new job in California. I started reading about mortgages and that just led to reading more about personal finance, which led to reading about investing. And that's you know really where I developed my financial education. Nice. Okay. So, you know, started selling things like from whenever you could remember to $15 an hour as a high school student in the 90s, which I agree, that was really, really good. And then now you're in a program, MD-PhD program, where I think people are thinking about how to survive and you're thinking about, you know, how to buy a home and learning about mortgages and all of that stuff. So that's a really fascinating journey. Now, what made you decide to take this a step further and start helping physicians do the same thing? Well, you know, Dr. Ina, you always say that we didn't receive a business education in our medical training. Well, we don't receive a financial education in our medical training. And even though I received a financial education just from my own personal interest, it wasn't something that other people did. So even in my MD-PhD program, you know, there was another MD-PhD student who realized that even though we get a stipend to live on, it was $20,000 a year. So it's a you know pretty modest stipend that you could actually still borrow money because you were a student. And so he would borrow more money in order to buy things like a nice camera. And of course, you know that anytime you're borrowing money, you're paying 
interest for that money. And that interest just keeps accumulating and growing. And so compound interest can work for you when you're investing, but it really works against you when you're taking out debt. Oh, wow. You guys were doing two opposite things. So he was borrowing money and the interest was working against him. You were borrowing money and the interest was working for you. That's that's interesting to think about. <laughs> now, so tell me this, right? Someone may be listening to this and like, well, studying about mortgages, that sounds like a lot of work. Personal finance, when I think about it, it just makes me nervous. I don't even want to know what's going on there. Talk to me about the difference it makes when as a physician, you understand money, you're investing, you have you know, not just savings, but you're building wealth. What difference does that make, especially in this time where we have, you know, loss of autonomy, burnout, you know, all of these things going on, doctors being told, well, this is your last day at work, like, you know, that kind of stuff. What what difference does it make? You know, it makes a huge difference. We as physicians are all smart enough to be able to confidently manage our money and grow and invest our money. But the financial world doesn't want us to know that. They look at us as targets. You mentioned doctor deals as being bad deals. And it's totally true. You know, financial advisors will often sell us these complicated financial products that really earn them a very large commission, but aren't actually really helpful for us. They will sell it like it's helpful for us, but really it's money in their pocket and they're not, you know, bad people. They're not really trying to, you know, try to quote swindle us. And some of them probably believe it is a good product, but really, you know, you got to wonder what their bottom line is. And the financial industry has its own language, just like medicine has its own language. And so when you don't know the language, it seems like it's really complicated, but you don't have to learn a lot of the language to really actually understand enough for you to be able to invest confidently and really grow your own wealth. And so talk to me about, you know, so you started with a primary residence as an MD, PhD student. And I'm guessing, so how many years ago was that? I bought that house in, I want to say 2003. Oh, wow. So that's 19 years ago as at the time of this recording. And so from buying that one house, what is investing and wealth creation and all of that? What does that look like for you now, 19 years later? Well, so I actually started investing in a Roth IRA way back in even actually before I started medical school. So I took a year off to apply for medical school and I was working that one year. So my parents told me, well, now that you're working, you have to open a Roth IRA and put money in it. And they didn't really explain anything else, but I was a dutiful daughter and I just went ahead and did that. So then when I started learning about personal finance, I was like, oh, I'm supposed to actually invest that money in there. And so I had continued to actually put money into that Roth IRA and then I was investing it. And so that has compounded and grown you know, significantly over the years. I also started reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad during my grad school years and really kind of latched onto real estate as a way to grow wealth. I finished my PhD off cycle. And so I could have gone back to third year medical school like late and lost a lot of elective time, but I just chose to take eight months off and go back in July when everyone starts their year of medical school. And during that time, I actually flipped two houses and also did like other real estate deals. I like networked like crazy with real estate investors and, you know, did a lot of kind of love work and footwork to actually learn the ins and outs of real estate. And I think that really helped for that growth mindset and knowing that there are many other avenues of making money than, you know, working for someone else for a paycheck. Oh man, that is so good. Like, yeah, I'll just take eight months off and flip two houses. No biggie. <laughs> I love it. Okay. And now for a quick word from our sponsor. This episode of the Doctors Changing Medicine podcast is sponsored by the Entree MD Business School. We didn't get any business education during our medical training, and this school fixes that. It is the only school of its kind that helps physicians become thriving entrepreneurs who make money, have impact, and have time for the things that matter. You will get the coaching, accountability, and community you need to be successful. To find out more and to save your spot, 
Go to EntreMDBusinessSchool.com. And now for the rest of the episode. Now, when you look, now you have a lot of experience with this at this point. So we're talking 19 years ago. That's when you started, you know, really going into learning all these things. What are some of the biggest mistakes you see physicians make? So this is as a community we make financially, you know, maybe the top two or three. Yeah. So we as physicians have a really different financial timeline than like our peers from college who didn't go into medicine. We have a really extended training period where we're taking out a whole lot of debt. Then we also have a training period where we're making a modest income, but working a lot more hours than, again, our peers from from college. And then we get to this point where suddenly we're making a whole lot more money. And if you compare it to like lottery winners, there are lots of stories of people who win the lottery and then they go bankrupt. And many times these people were people who had modest incomes before and were totally able to manage their finances, but suddenly had this huge infusion of money and didn't know how to manage it. And so they actually lose it all. Not that most physicians end up losing it all, but you can see the comparison. Some of us make similar mistakes. I think one of the First mistakes is buying a primary residence straight out of training when you just go to your first job. A lot of us don't really know what we really want out of work when we go to our first job. And at least in ophthalmology, just the statistics are that over 50% of ophthalmologists leave their first job within three years. And I certainly fell into that. I left my first job in just under three years. So when you buy a house, it's really easy, especially with physician loans. You can put essentially no money down or really minimal money down and get yourself into, quote, a doctor house. But when you want to go to sell that house, then you have to pay the closing costs. You pay your realtor, you pay their realtor. And that is a substantial amount of money. That can be seven to 10% of the value of the house. And if the house hasn't appreciated that much and you haven't even put a lot of money into a down payment, you may have to bring money to closing to get out of that house. And if you're now moving jobs to another state, then that house is really becoming a liability for you. Now, it's possible if you bought it right that you know you could potentially rent it out. But if you're not looking when you buy a piece of property that it's going to be an investment and it's going to cash flow, then chances are when you bought that primary residence, even if you did rent it out, you wouldn't have positive cash flow. So it's still going to be a liability to you. And that right there is going to save people tens of thousands of dollars if they hear you. Right. And and I, I've never really thought about that financial timeline. I mean, like I know that, right? You you don't make a lot and then you make a whole lot. And, you know, kind of mirroring it like is the same as people who win the lottery. And so you're not quite competent to manage that much because you haven't learned. And so it's easy to fall into all kinds of um financial pits. So that's a new way of thinking about it that that I'm definitely gonna be walking away with. Now someone is listening to you and they're like, Yeah, I already bought the house and you know, I already sold it and had to bring money to to closing. Yes, Dr. Lisa, I already made that mistake and all of that. But I'm, I want to start learning how to manage my money or become financially literate. Like, you know, what you said, you're like, they speak, you know, the financial world is a different language, but it can be learned. So where would that person start from? So first, in terms of learning, there's a lot of great resources out there. The White Coat Investor actually puts out several different books, and I would recommend any of his books. There's also a book called The Simple Path of Wealth, which I highly recommend. You know, and there are a lot of podcasts, including my own, that seek to educate physicians on finances. There's a lot of blogs out there as well. And it also also depends on what you're interested in learning about when it comes to investing. So some people are interested in learning how to invest in real estate and there's different avenues investing in real estate. And some people don't want to invest in real estate and that's fine. You don't have to invest in real estate, but you have to invest in something because if your money is not working for you, then you will always be working for money. If your money is not working for you, you will always be working for money. Okay, she said it. (laughs) Now someone's thinking, okay, I'm a doctor. 
I have the house, I have the car, I have my kids in private school, I'm living aka the life, but I'm technically living almost paycheck to paycheck. So I hear you talk about investing, but maybe it's not for me because where in the world am I going to get money to invest? I know that you know where they can find money to invest. So (laughs) what would you tell that doctor? So you've got your income and you have your expenses and hopefully your income is above your expenses. And what you do with that gap between your income and your expenses is the whole difference of whether or not you're going to build wealth or not. And so another mistake that a lot of physicians make early on is that they grow into their income too quickly. And unfortunately, if you've already grown into your income, you may have to actually think about, well, what do I actually need? What do I value? What brings me joy in life? And what am I doing? Because society tells me this is what I should be doing. You may have to find that you need to either cut back or you have to find that there's some other avenue that you're going to pursue to actually increase that income. Okay, people, you heard her. (laughs) And the thing of growing into the income, that's so maybe we talk about that a little bit, right? Because there's a whole law around that, right? Like your expenses rise to meet your income. And so you were okay, you know, earning $3,000, you know, paying your bills and doing all that. And all of a sudden now you're earning $20,000 a month. And for some reason, you cannot do without spending $20,000 a month. And so what are some of the things you would tell somebody who Like, what are some of the ways you, let's use you, you stay away from allowing your expenses to rise to meet your income? What are some of those strategies? Because the pressure is real, I think. So if you're early on, just allow yourself to spend, you know, 10% more of what you were spending before and kind of just ease into it. Also, there's the concept of pay yourself first. So if you take off the money off the top to put into investments and then you can enjoy what you have left, then that's also a great way to do it, right? So if you just go ahead, max out all your retirement accounts, you know, in general, you want to be investing, saving, investing 20% of your gross income towards retirement. So once you kind of put that side off the top, then you can decide what are your other financial goals. If you're having children and you want to help pay for their college, maybe that's another financial goal. And now off the top, you're going to put some money you know, towards those kind of investments into 529 plans or you know, however you want to go about that. Then once you've kind of addressed all your kind of future financial goals and all that money's been put away, now look at what you have left and that's what you can spend. That's what you can enjoy. That's what you can spend, people. That's it. Okay. (laughs) Now, I heard you talk about your podcast and I happen to have a little bit of a behind the scenes look when you posted about it. And so I want people to subscribe to your podcast. I want them to be listening to it. And if you're listening to this and you're like, yeah, yeah, I hear it, but it's, you know, it's not something I really understand. I suck at it. I'm not good. I just want to hide. I don't even want to talk about it. Um, The beautiful thing about podcasts is that you can just expose yourself to it. Give yourself permission to be okay, not even fully understanding it, but expose yourself to it. And it's only a matter of time where you become competent. Same way when we started off with medicine, of course, I mean, like think about all the words in our anatomy textbook, right? Like what? <laughs> like what's a maximus and what's you know, all of that stuff. And so talk a little bit about your podcast, what the name is, where people can find it and um, what they can expect to get if they decide to listen to you every week. Yeah, so it is the Grow Your Wealthy Mindset podcast. So that's my brand is Grow Your Wealthy Mindset. And you can find it on iTunes, on Google Podcasts, on whatever your favorite podcast app is. And in it, you're going to hear a combination of mindset in order to kind of 
actually learn how to manage uh, money, how to think about money, how to think about wealth, how to have that growth mindset, as well as just practical information about finances and personal finances and what you need to be doing in order to have like basic asset protection. I'll talk about different you know avenues of investing and you know, different resources to learn more about different types of investing. I also plan to bring on guest speakers to you know talk about their journeys of building wealth. All right. You heard her and I'm going to be subscribing too. So go subscribe, <laughs> grow your wealthy mindset. And somebody's listening and going like, okay, Dr. Una, enough, enough. Where can we find her? Okay. That we've heard about the podcast, but if we wanted to be in her world, follow her, get to talk to her, all of that, where can they go to find you, Doc? The best place is my website, growyourwealthymindset.com. You can sign up for my email list and you'll know every time I put out a podcast, a YouTube video. I'm also on Instagram and Facebook and all those links are off my webpage. Okay, excellent. And we'll link to those in the, in the show notes as well. Now, I talk about the Doctors Changing Medicine podcast and tell people that this is not, it's not just a podcast. It's a movement. It's a movement of change. Because I was like, I did the math. There's a million of us. And if we don't like the experience that we're having in and outside of medicine, we can change that. And so I say, you know, you have to, you don't want to just listen to this. You want to listen to this and you want to share it with another doctor in your life. Actually, the doctor is in your life. And so what would you say is the reason why anyone listening should share this episode with the doctors in their lives? Yeah. So I really believe that every physician has everything you need in order to learn how to manage your money confidently and invest it to build wealth so that you can really live your ideal life and practice medicine the way you want to. Right? We talk about golden handcuffs with our jobs in medicine. We don't want to be having golden handcuffs. We want to have all the wealth so that if we want to cut back, we can cut back. Or if we want to work part-time, we can work part-time. If there are certain procedures or things that we don't want to do, then we can negotiate that out of our contracts. Or we can work for ourselves and have our own clinics. I mean, we can do all these things. And that's why I want people to listen to podcasts to kind of open their minds that, you know, everything's available to us. Everything is available to us. Dr. Elisa, thank you so much for coming on and for sharing this with us. This is so powerful and this is a game changer. So guys, subscribe to our podcast, go to our website, get on her email list. I think she has opportunities for you to even book a call on her site. Do all the things, okay? Do all the things. She's the real deal. And she really has a heart to help doctors figure this out. And we really need all hands on deck. So thank you for coming. Thank you for being part of the Calvary. I love it. Thanks so much for having me. It's been great. Absolutely. All right, guys, remember, share the episode and I will see you on the next episode of the Doctors Changing Medicine podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Now, this is too good for you to keep to yourself. So I want you to do three things. Number one, subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. Number two, share this episode with all the doctors in your life. Number three, share it on social media. Until next time, remember, you are a huge part of a movement changing medicine one podcast episode at a time.